0: You are now listening to Total Medulla, the podcast. For voice talent or video production services, contact Total at totomedulla.com. Coming to you live from Total Studios, it's Total the podcast, with your host, Devontae Hill. Hill. Salutations, all, and welcome to Total the podcast. I'm your host, Devontae Hill. Here again, I hope you guys are doing well. I know I am, kind of, sort of, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's always kind of weird how we have a formal way of greeting. We're like, hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, anyway, that's. I'll save that for another episode. But look forward to next week's podcast. We're going to be interviewing uh, another artist. And so make sure you check that out. It's going to be released on Monday. And uh, that should be a really fun one. I know I enjoyed it. Uh, In the meantime, today I'm going to be sharing an interview I did back last year and just really haven't found the right time to release it until now. And so uh, it was with Larry McKee. He's a freelance director of photography in the Houston area. And uh, he he goes out and lights a lot of different projects for people. And one of his latest projects was the Patriot Act. And so he's always busy. Um, So here is that interview. Um, So Larry, kind of talk about just your history as far as how did you get into filmmaking and, and you know what interests you in, into that field well
1: I started out as a still photographer uh, back in the late 70s and uh, really enjoyed the challenge of being able to tell a story in a single image and um that's where I learned how to light. Uh, back in those days, there was no Photoshop. There was no digital cameras. Everything was film. And if you needed to do any editing, you had to do that in the dark room. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I had to learn how to see the light before it was there because we used strobes and, uh, so you had to understand what your your, what your light meter was telling you and you had to envision the scene. And then when it was lit, it was only lit for a fraction of a second. So you didn't get your results back for a day or two when it came back from the lab. So you had, to, you had to really learn how to see the scene before it was there. And so uh, I'm, I feel very fortunate that I was forced into learning it that way, because nowadays everything's instant, and if something doesn't suit you, you just make an adjustment and you move on, and five minutes later, somebody asks you what, you what the adjustment did, you really couldn't remember, so I'm yeah. um, uh, very fortunate that I came from having to do it the hard way. I went to work for a film studio. Uh, I'm in a photography studio that had just gotten into doing video. And uh, so that opened up a whole new line of possibility because now you didn't just have a single image to be able to tell your story. You had the elements of time and sound and movement. And that just really opened my mind up to all kinds of new possibilities. And, uh, I learned that I enjoyed that a whole lot. And so I haven't done any still photography in a long time.
0: <laughs> what was that very first film that you completed?
1: Well, uh, the first film I did, uh, was a documentary ah. and it was a documentary about, uh, Elmer Wayne Henley Jr. Um, uh, it was, an accomplice to uh, a serial killer back in the 70s and so we okay. interviewed his family and some victims family and went up to the prison and interviewed him and um so that was the first thing i did um, as far as you know film industry related
0: um were you director of photography for that project as well or is this kind of were you like
1: assistant yes i was yeah, I, was, uh, I had already done a whole lot of, uh, you know, commercial industrial stuff. And so the director of that project went to visit some, some clients of mine, uh, the guys up at the Silver Rock Productions in the Woodlands, no. and asked them to shoot it. And they said, well, you really want Larry McKee for this. So they got me in touch with her, and uh, we went on from there.
0: What's a typical work day for you?
1: Oh, uh, there's. <laughs> they vary from uh, pre-production meetings to uh, sitting in on color grade after the project shot. There's the the actual production itself and uh, shooting indie films. You know, you can you can work anywhere from ten to ten hours to way more. Uh, so um, there's just a lot of. Uh, a lot of prep.
0: Um, what kind of preparation for uh, those who uh, don't really know about you know, the whole film process?
1: Okay. Well, well, for example, uh, today I have to go to a pre-production meeting uh, with the director of a short film uh, I'm working on. We have uh, a shoot day coming up uh, tomorrow, and we've got multiple locations to try and get crammed into one day. And so we're gonna meet and go over every shot, and uh, try and plan the time to make sure we get each one of these, and then also to uh, analyze: is this shot really necessary? Does is the time investment to get it
0: uh, worth a the- big enough
1: payoff in the story? Right. So sometimes. You'll have a shot that you really like, but then once you start looking at all the, uh, the assets it takes to create that shot, you realize it's the payoff isn't worth it. And so you'll, you'll, you know, cull it out, or sometimes in the pre-production, you'll, uh, figure out a way to combine shots into a more, uh, more dynamic way to tell the story. And, uh, sometimes with a little bit of a, a time penalty, sometimes you save time. Yeah. So it's just um, uh, going through and uh, preparing for your shoot with your director makes everything go better. Uh, you when when you can hit the ground running with the plan, then your day goes much smoother and you get a lot more done.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, of course, right. you have to keep in mind that. You know, not everything is going to work as perfectly as what you had in mind, so you have to be a little agile and uh, work around things uh, when you get to set. But having a plan is a huge benefit.
0: What uh, what type of lens do you typically find yourself using? Like the Nifty Fifty or the Twenty Four, or are you using like you know, like portrait lenses for certain things?
1: Well, it. Um, that totally depends on, on the scene and what we're trying to say in the scene. Um, sometimes, you know, if it's an emotional scene, you want it to be more intimate, and uh, so you'll use longer lenses. Uh, sometimes you need to show off the environment so that you know where the is taking place. But I guess probably the most used lenses in my kit are probably the 35 and 50, maybe a, a 90, but those, uh, those will get used more than the, than the ultra wide or the ultra long.
0: Kind of like the bread and butter of, of your lens kit. Mm-hmm.
1: hmm
0: So have you always been in Houston or have you kind of gone out to other places and, you know, worked on different film projects?
1: Oh, well, um, I've, just did a documentary up in Michigan earlier in the year, um, and I've I've traveled all over. I've got, uh, so far, I've got six films lined up for next year. Uh, Of course, they're all independent films, so who knows how many of them will actually get funded, but two of them are in Atlanta. One's in uh, Mississippi. One's in uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then two are in Houston. So, um, yeah, I've got a passport. I can get just about anywhere.
0: <laughs> kind of speaking on a, uh, something you just brought up, um, is it kind of a challenge for uh, you know producers and directors to to get things financed, you know, for all these different projects, um, especially in Texas? I mean, because our film commission isn't as, I guess, robust as yeah you know, uh, somewhere like New York or LA, but. Do you find it a little bit more challenging yeah. for projects here?
1: Well, uh, I don't know if there's really any easy place to get funding. Um, you know, Orson Welles said it's a horrible way to spend a life. <laughs> because, yeah. you're, you, you know, when you're on set, you're on set for maybe a month, and you've spent two years trying to get your money together, <clears throat> and then you're in post for a you know, several more months and then you're trying to get through distribution. So um any any film project is probably a two year commitment. Yeah. And that's one thing I try to uh make clear to new directors is you have to make sure this is the story you want to tell because you're gonna be living this thing for two years from the time you decide to do it till you Finally, get the money and shoot it, and go through the post-production, and try and go through distribution. It's about a two-year commitment, so um, I'm not sure any place is really easy to get funding for independent films. But uh, we we certainly have our challenges here. There's no doubt about that.
0: Do you think it's uh? You think the support is there from the public, as far as like you know? showing interest and, and really kind of getting behind these indie films or is it kind of just <clears throat> um, really are you hard are talking to... about
1: his viewership or investors
0: uh, well we can talk about both uh, we can start with viewership I was kind of referring to them but yeah
1: yeah I think um, you know the problem is letting them know about it yeah. uh, because they're inundated with commercials for, you know, the studio films. And every time they go to watch a YouTube video, there's some trailer for the the next big blockbuster. Uh, And that's one of the challenges that uh, independent filmmakers have is spending money on advertising. I think if people know about it and it's a story that looks interesting to them, I I think they're perfectly willing to go see it. Uh, I don't think they really care if it's an indie or a, or a studio film. They just want to go see a good movie.
0: Yeah. Now, now speaking on the investor side, because uh, I know with, with other industries, it's a little challenging, especially in the city of Houston, because um, most investors are kind of used to just dealing with oil and gas, and not necessarily on creative projects. Um, have you experienced right. that kind of difficulty?
1: Yeah, they, well, first off, I don't really get heavily involved in the business side of filmmaking. Okay. I'm, I'm more on the creative side but I have I have seen that uh, people are you know people are creatures of habit if they've made a living uh, investing in energy and they know that path and then you come to them with something they really don't know anything about they're not very likely to hand over a bunch of cash
0: it's a hard sell so <laughs>
1: So, you know, it's, um, and Houston is great about supporting the arts. I mean, you look at all the art galleries we've got, and the, the symphony, and the, the ballet, and, and all the, the different forms of art. Uh, Houston is, is really generous in donating to those things. But film is a different world because it's not a charity it's a business so it's uh it's this odd combination of art and commerce and i think a lot of people just can't wrap their head around that and so they'll keep going with something they know you know because that's what people do they do they keep doing what they know how to do yeah so it it is a challenge
0: now why do you think um when, when people typically think of Texas and, and arts, they usually associate that with Austin instead of a place like Houston. Why do you think that hmm. is?
1: I think Austin has done a great job of marketing themselves. Ah, okay. Um, Houston is, you know, whenever people think about oil and gas, they think about Houston. They don't think about Austin. Right. So when they think about art, they think about Austin because that's what Austin has done a great job getting the word out about. So, um, I don't think it's, I don't think necessarily it's a knock on Houston. I think it's just, you know, an attaboy for Austin for getting their word out.
0: But before I let you go, I did want to ask you, do you have any advice for anybody who is uh, really interested in, in becoming a director of photography or just or just working in films in general?
1: Well, if you want to be a dp you need to know how to light uh light is your tool
0: yeah.
1: because if you're doing a comedy or you're doing a drama or you're doing a horror each one of those need to be lit in such a way that makes the audience feel what's going on in those character's world at that moment and so i see a lot of people uh calling for the marketing of the camera companies and say, "Well, this is a low light camera." Well, yeah, it is a low light camera, but that doesn't mean you don't have to light because <laughs> yeah. if you don't if, yeah. you, if you don't light, you're shooting birthday parties. You're not shooting in you're not shooting a narrative film. Yeah. Because uh, you know, the camera technology is going to constantly change. Yeah. But we've been telling stories through film for a hundred years. And so we've been doing that partly through the lighting, partly through the, you know, the soundtrack, um, obviously the, the story and the, the acting, but, um, uh, there was a famous cinematographer was asked here a few years ago at an interview for a magazine back when the digital, uh World was really starting to catch on, and they asked him, "You know, which do you prefer, film or digital?" And he said, "If you know how to light, it doesn't matter what camera you use. Yeah. If you don't know how to light, it doesn't matter what camera you use. So learn lighting if you want to be a cinematographer. That is what cinematography is: is lighting uh, to create." The environment for the story and as far as uh any other positions i'd say uh and even even for people wanting to be a dp i'd say volunteer on um some of these short films where they don't have any money to pay people well you can still volunteer and learn how a set runs and what goes on on set and and set etiquette so that whenever you Uh, Progress in your career You know how You know what to expect when you get onto the set
0: Right So that was Larry, I appreciate him being on the show Uh, Again that was an uh, an interview I did last year And just Wait until last minute to release it now But uh, again look forward to next week's Interview, it's going to be with uh, Mr. J.W. Americana uh, For those who know his stage name But I'll be interviewing him next week Uh, I'll be releasing that on Monday So make sure you stay tuned. Again, I'm your host, Devontae Hill, and I'll see you guys next time.